0: The following sermon is from the United Church of Tishomingo. All right. If you have a Bible, I would really strongly ask you, encourage you, get your Bible, because we're going to be in a a lot today. And I want to share something with you. Uh, It was in Acts somewhere um, where Paul or some of the apostles were preaching. I forget which chapter, but they were in Berea. And it says every time that they would preach, the Bereans would go back home and get their Bibles out and check the Scriptures to make sure that it was as they said. And I've told you this my whole career here at this church family. I don't just ask you, I encourage you, I urge you. Get that Bible, open it up, look at what I'm teaching, and don't just accept my teaching as a man. See if it's what the Scripture says. And see what the Holy Spirit says. One of the biggest things we may, I'm going to warn you right up front. So if we need to take a brain break in 10 minutes and stand up and whatever and get our breath, we will. We may go a little longer today, not a lot, but I'm just warning you. But one of the dangers is that we get caught up in what the world says and we forget what the scripture says. And I'm going to ask you today that one of the one of the things I've noticed is the people in, Christ, in, in the Christian faith who get in trouble. I'm thinking of big names who have fallen. And you can, I'm not going to stand up here and pick on people. But they all do it because they get so big they're not accountable anymore to anyone. They just kind of get to the point where nobody can tell them. And one of my goals, and if you don't know this, the leaders of this church will tell you that I have never been the boss of anybody, that I always put myself under not only the elders but the, the board always. I never make decisions. On my own because anytime you get too big to be accountable to anybody you get in trouble and anybody that thinks that they can't that's your first sign that you're in trouble so I'm asking you also for my benefit I would like to see you turning pages today and looking because we're going to do this now um, for those of you who don't know I'm not preaching from Jeremiah but Jeremiah has a nickname he was a prophet in the Old Testament does anybody know what the nickname of Jeremiah was he was the weeping prophet. He now, do you know why he was the weeping prophet? It's because he's the one that had to pronounce judgment on Israel because they wouldn't obey God, and he kept saying, "If you don't repent, you're gonna. He's, God's gonna punish you if you don't repent." God. And so, when pastors have to preach sermons like this, and if we have guests today, please don't think that this is all I preach and all I say. But this is a tough sermon today. This is a sermon that was not on my agenda to preach until last week when something happened. And as that happened, I feel with all my heart, God's Spirit just... Has your spirit ever just been moved within you that God says you have to do this? And He moves you to... And so as I, as I live this week and breathe and all this kind of stuff... All this stuff God just gave me, I've told you all before when I walk every day, I get my cell phone out and I get on my uh, voice recorder and record what God's speaking to me and then look up the verses. So I've got to share this, and, and, and it's a tough sermon, so I'm going to ask you one more favor. Please don't close your ears to me and turn your face to me until I've done the whole thing. Will you do that for me? And, and listen before you get mad at me and, and say, you know, call me a hater and all that kind of stuff. And also, please make sure, before you say anything, that you're looking at your Bible to make sure that whether it's me or the Scripture or what you think. All right. Let's start and let's get done so that I maybe can survive this sermon. Okay. We're living in a world that is doing everything it can to get rid of God. If you don't know that, you're, you're deaf, dumb, and blind. We're, we're literally trying to remove God from every public a- aspect of the public square, from school, from the government, from, our lo- from everything, everybody. We're trying to get rid of God. We want to live without God. And so people, whenever you bring up God or His Word, more and more and more and more are finding ways to argue about that, condemn you for that, call you a hater for that. Call you, I'm going to answer some of these questions today because watch this very carefully. I want you to listen to me. There was a common occurrence that happened in the life of Jesus as he walked on this earth. And we're going to look at one of them. It's in Mark chapter 12 in a little bit. But all the time, it says the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were all the, the what? The government leaders would come up to him and try to trap him. They would try to put him on the spot. They would wait till there was a crowd, and then they would say something and throw it at him and see what his answer was. Have any of you all ever been put on the spot? And you ever had something come up and you didn't know how to answer and you you were worried about the answer that you gave? And so uh, they were always trying to do that to him. Well, and I'm not going to give away anything, so don't anybody worry. But this week, a young person came up to me worried about something like that that had happened to them. And a friend had put them on the spot and asked them a question with people around. And the question that their friend asked them was this in front of everybody says i'm gay i practice homosexuality do you think i'm going to hell now i have seen watch this i have seen just so you don't feel bad if you've ever failed that i've seen billy graham fail that question in public i saw him i've seen him get put on the spot and fail that i've seen lauren daigle fail that question I've seen Joel Osteen fail every question. But anyway, I've seen him fail that question, along with a lot of the other. I've, I've seen him fail that question. Okay, so don't feel bad if you failed that question. But what I'm going to do is tell you something. We are living in a world where that is a question daily. Have you been watching the Sweet 16, uh, the, the March Madness? Have you seen one of the unexpected teams that made it to the Sweet 16? ORU, which is a Christian college. And magazines and papers have been writing scathing reports that the NCAA should not even let them in the tournament because of their beliefs on sexuality and you know homosexuality and trans. I'm serious, they've just been scathed for that. And the party, the people of inclusion are mad that we're including somebody who doesn't agree with them and and their stance on on, on the modern teaching. And so the question: when somebody comes up and says, What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about transgenderism? What do you think about this? Okay? And on and on and on. Let me show you how you answer these questions because this is what they did to Jesus. They put him on the spot and they said, what do you think? Okay? Human being, Christian, here's how you answer that question. You need to take notes and you need to get this down. The very first words out of your mouth when somebody puts you on the spot with a question like that should always be it doesn't matter what I think it doesn't matter what I think it only matters what God says because I don't decide who goes to heaven and hell God decides who goes to heaven and hell are you listening to me very carefully so immediately it takes it off of you and it's no longer an adversarial conversation because I'm not going to judge anybody I will never judge anybody in my entire life. God will judge. So, here's how you answer. It doesn't matter what I think because I don't decide who goes to heaven and hell. God decides. So it only matters what God thinks and what God says. So then, I would turn the question around and say, what do you think God says? And now it's on them. What do you think God says about this issue? Because that's what Jesus did all the time. He quit letting people put him in an adversarial position and catch him off guard trying to make him say something. He says, what do you think God says? Okay? In other words, even Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, turned to the Scripture for the answer. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19. Like I said, I will never preach one thing ever that I don't back up 100% with Scripture. Go to Matthew 19. And if you look at verse 3, it says some Pharisees came to Him testing Him. Okay? They put Him on the spot and they're asking Him about marriage. Now go to verse 4. They were asking Him about marriage and He said, look at this, look at carefully, look. He says, Have you not read? Have you not read? Okay, what's He talking about? Don't you know the Scripture. Do you not know in Scripture it says what? That He, God, who created them from the beginning made them male and female. I'm sorry, but there's two sexes. There's two sexes in the Bible and from this science teacher. There's two sexes. There's XX and there's XY. That's all there is. There is no other. It's a scientific fact and it's a biblical fact. He made them from the beginning male and female. And for this cause... A male, a man, shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his woman, his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Consequently, they are no longer two, but one, and whatever God has joined, no man separates or changes. And so, when Jesus was put on the spot, what did He say? They said, what do you think, Master? And He said, what? Have you not read? Do you not know what the Scripture says? Didn't say what I think. This is what the Bible says. This is what Scripture says. So here's the question. I'm identifying myself as gay. I'm identifying myself as practicing homosexuality. What do you think? Doesn't matter what I think, matters what God thinks. What did God say? Go to First Corinthians chapter six. First Corinthians chapter six. I am not giving you these scriptures, by the way, as billy clubs to beat somebody over the head with. Do you all understand that? That's where we make mistakes as Christians. These are not billy clubs to beat somebody. These are informational so that you know what you're talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and let's begin in verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not go to heaven? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, shall inherit... You know, we're not just picking on one, okay? People make it about one thing. There's a lot in that list right there. You might ought to look it in there and make sure you don't fit. One one day, a a student in my class asked me about homosexuality and asked me what the Bible... So I read that. And I'll never forget this. I had two cowboys. They were, they were real boy, you know, students over here sitting here. And when I got done reading through that whole list, out of the corner of my eye, I saw both of them go, <laughs> I think some of those fit them. And so my point is I'm not picking on one person. One, that, that's the question you're going to get asked more often. But do you understand as the pastor, can I plead with you to understand I'm not just picking on one thing? What he's talking about is if you practice ungodly sin and that's your lifestyle that's what you claim that's what you take pride in that's what you won't repent of you're not going to go to heaven that's what God says okay look at 1st um, Timothy 1 verses 9 and 10 1st Timothy 1 9 and 10 I got to turn to him some too but if you just want to write it down listen to 1st Timothy 1 9 and 10 We need to realize the fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and are rebellious and they are ungodly and they are sinners, they are unholy, they are profane, they kill their fathers and mothers, they are murderers, they are immoral men, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Do you understand so there's Scripture number 2 dealing with that. Okay, go to Romans chapter 1. Sometimes you assume people just know this. And here's what I've discovered. Instead of the preacher yelling, I'm going to let the Word of God teach. Romans 1.21 For though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their hearts were darkened. They said they were wise, but they were fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image and the form of corruptible man and birds of four footed man. Verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. That's not, you will not hear this preach very much. You can rebel to a point that God will give you over, so that you don't even know that what you're doing. Are you listening to me? You can tell the Spirit of God, your conscience, to shut up for so long that God will give you over. He says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshipped and served the creatures, each other, rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them over. Number two, to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do these things which are not proper. Now, I could go on. I'm not going to because I've got some other things that I've got to touch on. But here's the point. Listen to me. My belief is based on the Bible. Ask that person, what's your belief based on? Where do you get your belief? What do you stand on for your belief? Where does that come from? Science? Society? People? I'm going to tell you what. I'll stand on that. You stand on whatever you want to. And when this is all over, let's see who's still standing. I'm sorry to be kind of adversarial here, but I'm sick and tired of people putting me, a Christian down, or other Christians down because we choose to take our stance on the Word of God. I'm tired of that happening to me. That's not right. It's going to happen, but I'm tired of that. We need to understand is, do we put our our belief in what people say or what God says? And it takes it off of you and it puts it on them. I will not judge anyone. God will judge. And He has told us how He will judge. How is He going to judge? By His Word. Because the Scripture says that when you get saved, what does He do with that Word? Listen to me very carefully so that you don't miss this, people. It says He writes it on your heart. Now, what is the heart? The heart in the Bible is the seat of your actions. Now, watch this. It is not a sin to be tempted. Please hear me. Many people are tempted to sin homosexually. Many people are tempted to sin just heterosexually. Many people are tempted to sin with substance abuse. Many people are tempted to sin with hating other people and being jealous and coveting. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's do you act on it? Do you all understand what I'm saying? The the temptation comes, but do you act on it? It's not a sin and you act on it. So, yes, yes. It's normal to have these desires sometimes for some people. That's not my desire, but the preacher will stand right here and confess to you that I'm tempted to sin in some ways in my life. Satan never quits. He comes at me very hard trying to get me to do these things, and I say, no, no. And the Holy Spirit is the only way I can win that battle. You try to fight it on your own, you're going to lose every time. And so it is not up to me. It is up to God. He's the judge and He's going to judge by His Word and how our life matches up with His Word. Okay? Listen to me. I'm I'm going to tell you something. I'm proud of the Catholic Church. I'm proud of them. Did you see what they did last week? It says they will not bless same-sex marriages because they cannot bless sin. Hallelujah! Somebody made a public statement and came up and said, thank you, Pope. I don't know what else he says, but good job. I'm going to give them a thumbs up, not argue with them. Okay, so this battle going on between right and wrong in sexual behavior is not a battle between you and them. Are you all listening to me? Do you know why they ask you that question? Because there's a battle going on in their soul between them and God. Understand that every time. There's a battle because their conscience is fighting against them. It's not a battle between you and them. And you must learn to put God up as the one they are battling, not you. You understand? You're nobody. I'm nobody. God is the only one that can heal them. Now, how do you do that? God's Word. You must know it. You must confront them with it. And then it's God's Word that changes the heart, not your argument. Are you listening to me? Don't sit there and get in an argument and put people down. Like I said, don't use these as a, boy, you're just a, don't do that. Share what it says. Take it or leave it. Let it go. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus shared and he had these confrontations, what did he do? Turn around and left and went someplace else. Don't sit there and have a battle over it. You shared the word, you gave them what they needed, it's up to them. What they do with it and what they don't do with it. So make sure that you confront with the word of God, not yourself. Take yourself out of the position of judge and put God's word in the position of judge. Does that make sense? Okay, here's what God's word says. The decision is up to you. My opinion has nothing to do with it. And watch this. I would add this, because God wants you to go to heaven and doesn't want you to go to hell, He's told you how to do that. Would you look real quick or write down? First Timothy 2:4. 1 Timothy 2:4. Look what that says. First Timothy 2, verse four. Look what this says, because I don't want to sound like I'm just a mad preacher today. It says, talking about God. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What's God's desire? That everybody gets saved. Is everybody going to be saved? No. But God desires that. So what did God do to make it possible? He sent His Son and gave us His Word. Okay? And also, the other verse, if you want to look at it, is um, uh, 2 Peter 3.9. 2 Peter 3.9. Uh, And make sure that if you're going to do this, when you have these conversations, look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow about the promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient with us, not wishing for any to perish, but to come to the knowledge of what? Repentance. There must be repentance. Look here. Do any of you wonder why God is letting this world go on? Do you wonder? With all the horrible stuff, I'll tell you why because he doesn't want people to be lost. He's given them a chance. What happened in the days of Noah? He gave them 120 years. If you haven't ever read that, he gave Noah preached for 120 years. Repent, repent, repent. Did they repent? Nope. And finally one day God did what? Shut the door. And they were lost. It's all throughout Scripture. But God doesn't want that. So make sure that you understand that. Now, I want to lead us straight from that verse to the most misquoted verse in Scripture in our day and time. Go to Matthew 7 and John 7. I'm going to keep you busy, but if you're doing like you should be, instead of going to sleep, you got your Bible, I want you turning and going with me. Pay attention, and the time will go faster. Okay? Matthew 7 and John 7. The most misquoted Scripture in the Bible today by society is, Judge not lest you be judged. Y'all ever heard that? Well, let me explain this to you so that you can understand what that means and how they're misusing that. Okay? Listen to me very carefully. Go to John 7. While we're doing this, go to John 7 and look at verse 24. I'm going to put a little piece of paper in here so I can flip back and forth. John 7, 24. What does that verse say? Do not judge according to the appearance, but what? Judge... With a righteous judgment. So all of a sudden in John chapter 7, we're told to judge. Oh, there, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. Watch this very carefully. Look at it, okay? And pay very close attention. If we're never supposed to judge anybody anywhere, does that mean that we're sinning by having police officers and law courts and lawyers? Does that mean we should never have a trial? We should never judge anybody for rape, murder, child molestation, homicide. Is that that what that means? Because if they say that, if judge not means that, that we're all sinning by having it. Why do we have a courthouse? Why are we paying policemen? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Look here. Common sense, children. We have to judge. We have to. It's a sin not to judge. Actions not people's souls. Okay? When somebody commits an act, that has to be judged. I don't know whether they're going to heaven or hell, but I know that action was a sin. Let me ask you a question. Does that mean you, watch this, because there's no there's no qualification exception, does that mean you can't tell your child what to do? Does that? Think about it. If you carry that out, judge not, what's that mean? You can't tell your child what, I can't judge, I've got to let them do what they want to do. How stupid is that? So watch this. I know, I know, but my wife's not here and I can say stupid. Okay, watch this. Matthew 7 means, watch this, you don't judge, look at it. what he's saying. If you read that in the Greek, he's saying you don't judge, God does. And then John 7 is saying the way we judge is by what? God's standard, not your opinion. Are you listening to me? So when it says don't judge, it means you don't judge by what you think, but when it says judge with a righteous judgment, it says instead of judging on your opinion, you have to judge on God's standard. Now look at me, I've got to know that I just got through. Are you, are you with me? Do you understand what that's saying? That I have to make my judgment based on God's Word, not my opinion. What is When he says judge with a righteous judgment, what's the only thing in the world? In a world that's righteous? God. So what's the only thing that's a righteous thing to judge from? God's Word. So he's saying when you judge, it better be based on this, not on what you think. See how that all goes together? Have I tied that in? You, don't, you, you judge, you don't judge based on human opinion. Now watch this. Watch this, because this is funny, but it's not. People who condemn you of judging are condemning themselves. Because what are they doing? They're judging you based on their opinion. Every time they say that, they're condemning themselves. They are committing the very sin they're judging you of committing. When I'm judging on God's standard and they're judging according to their opinion. So when we exercise judgment which we are commanded to do John 7 make sure that you judge righteously by the Word of God not by your opinion and those who throw that do not judge are actually the ones violating the very scripture they're quoting the minute that comes out of their mouth they're violating it you see how that works because the very scripture that they are misquoting because they're judging you Based on you, their opinion, which condemns them. Don't feel bad for standing up and speaking the truth about actions. Does that make sense? About behaviors. Again, I have no idea who in here and who's not going to heaven. Going, to heaven. I got no idea, none whatsoever. But I do have an idea, and I can judge your actions. And I'm commanded to do so. And if we don't judge people's actions, we don't have a civil society. But everything goes to hell. Can I say that? Because that's where it goes. So we are commanded to judge, but with a righteous judgment. Now, watch this carefully. It's not just homosexuality. I'm going to share this, and I'm, you, your toes just begin to get stepped on. Okay? So buckle up. Dustin, you got that sign to put up there for me? Okay? Okay. <laughs> Have you got the picture? Will it come up? All right. Anyway, yeah. All right. Now we're getting started. So, so the sign just went off on the airplane. Get ready for turbulence. Last, or two weeks ago on Facebook, a friend of mine, who I know is a Christian, puts a post on there congratulating his daughter for moving in with her boyfriend and having their first house together. And I'm going, what? Are you saying? I mean, he's a Christian. He knows better. He's always and, and people are always seeing him post Christian stuff. And now he's posting congratulations to his daughter for moving in with her boyfriend. Which the Bible calls what? Fornication. Which the Scripture says, not me, the Scripture says God will judge you for that. You must repent. And then, just two days later, another friend of mine on Facebook, a woman who's a Christian, post on there congratulations to her daughter and her boyfriend on their on their new baby that's fixing to come. And she's, she's sitting there congratulating them. And they're so proud. And my question is, what? Why are you proud? Now, don't turn your back on me. I didn't say you banned them to Siberia. That is not what I'm saying. But you better hear me. There's a difference between loving... And working together with someone through a sin. With someone who messed up as opposed to glorifying the sin. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I don't care who you are. And anybody that knows me, if you're a guest, you can ask it. I will love you through anything. I will minister to you. through. There's nobody that I won't love and minister. There's nobody that I won't get on my knees and get below you. Not a single person but as I'm getting on my knees, I'm going to tell you why. The truth is you've sinned. And you've got to come to repentance or you can't be saved. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So, I didn't say ban your children to Siberia and you can't... Ever, that's not what I'm saying. But to glorify their sin and to do it publicly and to put it on Facebook and to say, wow, look what great thing... No, it's not like your kid just built their first model and said, oh, good job, look what they built. They made a baby out of wedlock, living together. That's a sin. And nobody will say that anymore because they don't want to be the preacher that's the mean guy. You know who the mean people are? The people that just let them go right on into hell without having the guts to say the Bible, the Word of God says that's a sin and God's going to judge you for that. Hebrews 13.4 Let the marriage bed be held in honor because fornicators and adulterers, God will condemn. God will condemn. You think this is fun preaching this sermon, by the way? I'll trade you. You get up here and I'll do that. Okay, so we got to understand, listen to me, these kids have to be told that it's a sin. That God will condemn them for that. And whatever you do, you don't glorify sin. You all understand that? God judges Sinful behavior. If you don't set kids straight, they grow up crooked. Parents had the guts to start standing up and saying the truth again. You can say it louder than that. Have the guts. When I was growing up, parents set their kids straight. When I was growing up, other parents set me straight. And when other parents set me straight, my dad would probably slap me off the chair if I'd have said anything about them setting me straight. Jeannie was telling me this week, I was telling her about this sermon. She got a paddling at school one day, and she said, and this is, for those of you who don't know my wife, Jeannie, the one thing she can't do is lie. She can't, I mean, Jeannie is the most honest. She says, I didn't do anything. I did not. And I went home and told my mom and dad, and both of them said, we don't want to hear it. The school knows what they're doing. You go back here and do... She said, I didn't do anything. Because parents set their kids straight about authority. Listen to me. If you really love your children and you really love people and serve God, you need to bring children to repentance. You must bring children to repentance. Guys, if you're going to raise children the right way, sometimes they're going to cry. Sometimes they're going to get mad. Sometimes they're going to say, I hate you. And then sometimes they know you're going to slap that off their mouth so they're going to tell somebody else they hate you and they just won't tell you because they don't have the guts to say it to your face. Okay? There were times when I was growing up, I hated my dad with a passion. I never told him. (laughs) But I hated my dad with a passion. And now I can't imagine how much I love my dad what he had the guts to do in my life when he said no and if no what enough then he said no and he did that because the scripture says in Proverbs the man who hates his son spares the rod and doesn't discipline his child we must bring them to repentance stop being gutless adults and stand up speak the truth in love I know you can't force them but for heaven's sakes don't glorify it did you hear what I just said I know you can't. For, for anybody here that doesn't know me, I got a grown son. I can't force him. Going, but I ain't gonna glorify it. We're gonna speak the truth in love, and he knows and has been told. I will always love you, and I, you will always be my son. But I will not accept that, baby. You ever had any of y'all ever had to say that? That's tough. I will always love you. You will always be my child. But I will not accept that behavior. That's what you got to do, parents. That's the thing that you have to do. And it's gutless when you don't. You can't force them, but stop glorifying their sin. Listen to me. If you glorify their sin, they will never repent, and you are responsible for leading them into judgment. Do you hear what I just said? That's hard to say. If you glorify their sin, they will not repent, and you're responsible for their judgment. Have the guts. And by the way, There are some families around you waiting for you to have the guts to say something to their kid because they can't say something to their own kid. Are you all hearing me? Do you all understand that sometimes family is the hardest people to witness to? And you can't really do it with your own family, but somebody else can? Hey, how about showing some real love? How about saying something to somebody else? Because they can't say it to their own kid. Okay, now, here's another angle on the homosexual question. Go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And I've got to make two points on this. I told you it would be a little longer. And I'm going to do something that's very rare for me. I'm not going to apologize one bit. Look up. Listen up and pay attention. Okay. Jesus is talking again. And look at Mark chapter 12. And go to verse 13. It says, They sent some Pharisees and Herodians to Him to do what? Trap Him to test him, okay, in a statement. And this is the one where they said, Teacher, tell us, is it right? Should we pay taxes? You all ever wonder if we should pay taxes? (laughs) Should we pay taxes or should we not? And what did Jesus say? Now watch this, stay with me, because this is a really good point, i got to give God credit, because He gave it to me. What did He say? He said, whose image and likeness is on the coin? And they said what? Caesar's. And so He said what? Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to... God, what is God's? Now watch this very carefully that that, that needs to be answered on this question. Whose image and likeness is on your body? In whose image were you made? Whose image and likeness is stamped on your body? God. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Let us make man in our own image. In the image of God, man created them, male and female. Listen to me very carefully. God's image is stamped on your body. Jesus, understand that carefully? We are in the image of God, and we are to do what? Give to God what is God's. Go to 1 Corinthians 6. Back to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 15. I'm turning there too, so if you beat me, you get like a tootsie pop. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse 15. Look what this says. Let's start. Do you not know that your body is a member of Christ? Should I take away the members of Christ and make them a member of a harlot? And a harlot is just the term for sexual sin outside of marriage, whatever that is, okay? It says, look here. May it never be, exclamation point, Do you not know that the one who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her? For the Scripture says they become one flesh, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him? Look at this. Flee immorality. Every sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Sexual sin is against the body that God gave you. And the Scripture says run like your life depends on it. Watch this. Do you not know? that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God. Watch this. And you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So the question for that person that you need to ask them is this. Whose body is that? Is it yours or is it God's? That's what you ask them. Is that your body? Or is it God's body? Now watch this carefully. If it's yours... You can do whatever you want to. You can. But you're not going to be with God. If it's God's body, you can only do what God says to do with the body. Does that make sense? Are you all still with me? Don't quit on me. It's not that much farther. You all can handle it. If kids can sit in classroom an hour, you can handle it a little bit longer than 30 minutes. Okay. So, the question is, whose body is it? Is that your body or God's body? If it's God's body, you got to do what? God says. And so the question you need to answer before you ask me a question is, okay, what we have to do is, is that your body or is it God's body? Now look at Mark 12. Look at Mark 12. Go back to 12. And look at verse 37. I didn't know where to make this point. So this is the only place I knew to make this point. But let me tell you why this is critical that you hear this. Mark 12, verse 37. At the very back of the last part, it says, And the great crowd enjoyed listening to him. Look at me. There are people all over this world who are never going to speak up because they just don't have the courage. But every time these conversations happen, people are looking and they are listening. And they know who answers well and they know who doesn't. And you don't have to turn around and tell it to the crowd, handle the conversation well, And you're going to be influencing people that are never going to say a word, but they're going to hear your answer and the Word of God will convict their heart that your answer was a good answer. Are you all listening to me? For years, I wondered, was my Facebook ministry worth it? Was it worth it? Because you put stuff on there, like Doris said, people are going to attack you and they're going to call you all this kind of stuff and all these kind of things. You know, because all these things. But you know what I discovered? All these people put this stupid stuff on there and I put the scripture or the word or something. And even though they don't come to my defense on Facebook, they come to me personally. They come to me privately. They come to me on Messenger and they say, thank you, I always wondered, I didn't understand that, now I know what God says about that. There are people watching. There are people listening. Guys, listen to me. There is a witness that God has for you to give that you'll never even know you gave it. That you'll never even know you gave it but you've got to handle that question correctly. Whether it's at the coffee shop or the beauty shop or downtown at the store or wherever you are, people are going to put you on the spot. And the crowd is watching, and they may never speak up, but they're watching, and if you can positively influence them, if you handle that conversation correctly, and you can make a huge difference in their life, okay? Now, I'm going to close up. i got a couple minutes, but I'm going to close up with this. Where does all this come from? Why are we where we are? Why are we in this situation that we're in? Okay? It's because, Doris, this is for you. Not because every preacher, but because a lot of preachers won't preach this anymore, there's no fear of God. Nobody fears God anymore. Are you listening to me? Too many people want to preach fluff. I'll give you a minute. Look in your Bible right now and find me one verse of Scripture anywhere that says don't fear God. I'm I'm a preacher. i got a $100 bill in my pocket. I'll bet you. Find me a Scripture that says don't fear God. Every time it says don't fear, it says don't fear man and what the world can do to you. Now, i found literally like hundreds. But let's look at a couple, okay? Look at Proverbs 9, 10. Proverbs nine ten. Look what it says. Proverbs chapter nine, verse ten. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Where does wisdom? Look here. You want wisdom? It's not even going to start until you do what? Fear God. And by the way, I've said this before. All the preachers, not all of them, but the ones who preach the fluff. Try to say, well, that just means a reverent respect. Did you know that word for fear in the Bible is phobia? Where we get fear like, you know, like claustrophobia and all that. It's the word phobia. It says to fear God, okay? Look at Psalm 115, 13. All you got to do is go back one book. Psalm 115, verse 13. Look what that says. He will, look here, he will bless those who. Fear. I see all these people moving in together. And say, look how the Lord blessed us. No, He didn't bless you. Satan blessed you. Cause Satan can bless too. He will bless those who fear Him. Look at Deuteronomy six. Deuteronomy six twenty-four. Deuteronomy six, verse twenty-four. Look what it says. Next page. So the Lord commanded us to observe these statutes. To fear the Lord our God for our good. What are the statutes? They are what God wrote. Fear the Lord. Obey the statutes and it will go well with you. Fear the Lord over and over again. Look at Matthew 10, 28. Well, John, that's Old Testament. And now in the New Testament, we're in the age of grace and nothing's going to happen to you because God just loves everybody and He's never going to do anything. Go to Matthew chapter 10 and go to verse 28 and it's written in red because Jesus is speaking and Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but fear God, Him who's able to destroy destroy both your body and soul in hell. Jesus Christ said, fear God. Fear God. There are some of you probably walk out here that you need to go home and probably need to get on your knees and ask God to forgive you that you haven't feared Him like you should. Because there's a fear of God that's necessary. And then go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. At the very end. Ecclesiastes. I thought I marked it. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I probably lost it. Uh, here it is. Right here. I oh, thought I did mark it. Okay. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now, give me a minute. Do you know who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon. Wisest man on the earth. And he talks about all these things that people seek and all they do and all they work for and how everything's in vain. And he, he sums up life. Watch this. He sums up life in Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. and look what he says. The conclusion when all has been heard is what? Fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. Fear God. That's the the sum. That's the conclusion of everything in Scripture. Fear God. And we have all these people living in sin, especially sexual sin. Why? Because there's no fear. They do not believe that God is going to judge them. Because too many preachers are not preaching. Too many parents are not teaching. There's no fear, and when there's no fear, this is what you get. I don't care what anybody says. You can hate me. You can never come back here, but I will not be accused of watering down the Word of God. Fear is necessary, fear is healthy, fear is from God. It keeps you in line where you need. Do you really want there to be no fear? Do you imagine what people would do if there was absolutely no fear of anything? I've seen what happens. When there's no fear of anything. The reason that we're where we are is there's no fear. This is what you get. And so, go to Matthew 7. Back to Matthew 7. And look what this says. Quickly. Start in verse 21. Matthew 7. Verse 21. Look what Jesus says. Not me. Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to go to heaven. What? Not everyone who calls me Lord. Not everyone who goes to church. Not everyone who claims they're a Christian is going to go to heaven. Watch this. But he who does the will of my Father. How do we know the will of the Father? He wrote it down for us. Jesus said what? Do you not know what is written? Okay, let's go on. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, we prophesied and we cast out demons, and we built a big church, and we performed miracles, and I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me because you do what? Practice sin. Practice. I didn't say because you committed an occasional sin. You Because you practice sin. Because you practice lawlessness. Today, people think that they can keep a sin, and then they can do enough good stuff to make up for it. Okay? Watch this. Well... I'm doing all this stuff over here, and this is the only thing I do. I know you're tired, but look me in the eye. Do you know how many of your sins you can pay for? The same number I can. You think just because I'm a preacher that lets me off the hook of sin? Not only does it not let me off the hook, it puts me under a bigger hook. And by the way, in case you're wondering, it took me several months, a year to get to this point where I could preach this sermon with a 100% clear, holy, repentant, true conscience. I've spent a year praying, fasting, repenting, seeking the Lord, asking for forgiveness for everything, getting my life right, becoming a man of prayer, and just within the last couple weeks, ministry has started coming back to me. Do y'all, I'm, just, I'm, making, I'm being completely transparent to you. I'm starting to get calls. People are starting to ask questions. I'm starting. Listen to me very carefully. Okay, watch this. You can't practice sin and be a Christian. Now I'll say it one more time for people to get their feelings hurt easily. Yes, you might hit your thumb with a hammer and say, "All right, that's a sin," but that's not what you're practicing. that's an occasional, accidental sin. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But if you're willfully calling yourself a sexual deviant, you're practicing sin. If you're willfully living with somebody outside of marriage, you're practicing sin. If you're willfully supporting that and telling people it's okay, you are practicing sin because you are judging God's word not to be true. And your own opinion to be above. You better be careful. Your own opinion is not above God's word. That's why I know you're tired, but that's why I've had you turn 50 places today. Because this is scriptural. This is not John Hazerell. This is scriptural. This is what the Bible says, okay? And you cannot pay for your sins, any of them. And if you insist on practicing sin, you will die in that sin and you will not go to heaven. You can't do enough good things to pay for your sins. I can't tell you how many people I have led to Christ in my life through my ministry. You know what that will do to get me to heaven? Nothing. The only thing that's getting me to heaven is Jesus Christ And His blood shed for me. And my repentance and my giving my life to Him to do what He says. And all this other stuff. I heard somebody say when my dad died one time. I didn't answer him. I heard somebody say, well, I know where he is. Man, he's the nicest guy I ever knew. And I thought, well, I thought two things, but I won't say the first thing I thought. But the second thing I thought was, nice has nothing to do with it. He knew Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And I know where he is, but it's because he was a Christian. It's because He was truly saved. And His life showed it. Okay? You can't pay for your sins. Now, I said, there's a difference in occasional sin and practicing sin. So, close with this. I started this out with kids in mind, but adults, you better start speaking up and having these conversations. Because God has given you His Word as well, and He's not going to let you off the hook because you don't know His Word or you're afraid to share it. But then, just... To stand by and say nothing where people are being let off. Let me ask you a question. Have I pricked your heart a little bit today? That you can't just let people walk off a cliff? And and like, man, I don't want to go hear that preacher. He's like hell and fire and brimstone guy. He's like that old-fashioned guy. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to preach it. But there are people and there, there are kids. There are tons of former students of mine who watch this that need to hear the truth because I love them enough to say it even though they may not like me for it for a while. Do you all understand, do y- do understand that, how hard this is? And I'm going to go home today and I'm going to walk and I'm going to beat myself up for everything I said. I'm just telling you. I'm just going to like, you know, because I know it needs to be said, but it's just like, I don't want to do that. But you have to understand, guys. stop standing by and let people go to hell. The Bible says if you deny Him, He'll deny you. And there's more than one way to deny Him. And it's time for Christians to speak. Boy, you know what else? I could use some people standing with me. And me not be the only one. Then I wouldn't feel so lonely saying this stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not asking you to go on Facebook and say, y'all going to hell! That's not, I'm, And I'm not asking anybody here to go out and get a sign and stand, say, repent, you're going to hell! But I am asking you that when the conversation comes up, to speak the truth. And I'm asking you to say, don't say, well, our pastor says, please don't ever say that. Say, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. And what God thinks, He wrote for us in His Word. What do you think God's Word says? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Please use that. Please don't use my name. Because it has nothing to do with me whatsoever. And every time we don't speak up, someone over here in the crowd sees you defeated, and they walk away. Well, maybe that's not the real deal. Maybe that's not really true. And that's on you and it's on me when we don't speak up. It's time to do... What's that great old hymn say? Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hill and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now to end on a good note, the Scripture says, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, how evil, how bad, how wicked, how long, there's forgiveness and healing And cleansing and restoration for you at the foot of the cross. It says repent of your sins. Receive Christ. Turn your life over to Him. Be baptized in His name. And He cleanses you like you've never sinned before. One of the scriptures that I'm reading, memorizing in Psalms, so don't ask me which one because I'm not exact, but it says, thank God that He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities or dealt with us according to our sins. But as far as the east is from the west... So far, he has removed my transgressions from me. Now, that's for his children. That's for those who have repented. That's for those who have turned to Christ. But are you listening to me, people? His arms are right here, open wide, saying, Please, please, please. I don't want you to go. I want you. I I died for you. But you must come and do what I did. Repent of your sins and turn away and give your life to me. Have I made that plea strong enough? Whatever I said, there is nothing you've done. Well, John, I did this and we had a baby. I don't care. I'm not going to glorify that, but I'm going to tell you. Just say, God, I need to get this right with you. and I'm getting it right with you now. And you know what he'll say? Put that away. Come follow me. You're my child now. And we're going to go do good things. And that's not remembered anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you need to deal with something in your life, I'm just going to ask you, deal with it now. Talk to God about it now. Repent about it now and give your life to Him now. Because contrary to what this world says, contrary to what it says, God's not taking everybody. But only those who do the will of my Father. Not those who practice laws. Now, can I ask you a question? Did I hurt your feelings? Too bad? Did I? Did I okay. Alright. I promise a fluffy sermon next week. It's, it's Easter. And we'll talk good stuff. I promise. But watch this, we can't have the joy of Easter if we don't understand why there's a reason to be joyful. And the joy is, thank you, God, that you don't count my sins against me anymore because I repented, because you took them away, and now they're gone. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm clean. And I can live a life that God called me to live. That's the joy of Easter. But you can't know it until you know the reason why you need Easter. Let's bow and close a prayer. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank You. I have to confess with the Apostle Paul who said, thanks be to God who saves sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Father, I pray that nobody here took this as a, as a judgment against them. I have confessed. I've been as open as I can be. I've shared everything that I know to share, Father, that, that I am... Uh, it's, it's not, what's the, Father, it's not my brother and my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. But we all have to come to that recognition ourselves. And we all have to reach that point of godly sorrow and godly repentance and godly submission to you. But then, the joy and the hope and the blessing that awaits when we become your child. Father, I'm just asking you today through your Holy Spirit, if there's anybody in here that hasn't repented, hasn't received you, hasn't given their life to you, touch their heart. Father, they can do it anywhere, but touch their heart. And let them know the love you have for them and the patience that you have and how bad you want them to be your child because that's why Jesus died for our sins. Father, I pray that these words, words will be taken acceptably and I pray that they would only be to your glory and nothing else. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.